All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Zephyr Epic, they got their Series 2 tins back in stock, so be sure to check them out, zephyrepic.com. Use our promo code 
Hockey Season, all one word, capital H, capital S, Hockey Season at ZephyrEpic.com to get you $5 off your order and free shipping to all of Canada from east to west, north to south, over to Vancouver Island, Newfoundland, probably. Okay. okay. They, can, they can get it. Uh, free shipping, all Canada. I'll bring in my co-host. Well, first of all, my name is Chris Faber. I'll bring in my co-host, David Quadrelli. Quads, how you doing, man? Big, uh... Lots to talk about, I think, and I think a lot of it's going to be from two of the articles that you and I dropped today on Canucks Army, to be 100% honest. Yeah, it is. You know what's funny about this, Chris, is last week we debuted a new segment on our show, an editorial segment. We're still trying to come up with names. We've gotten, I think we've gotten over 100 suggestions now, and none of them have stuck. (laughs) Um, You know, not to hate on anybody who sent us suggestions, we really appreciate it, but none of them have been like, we're, we're just... We say to ourselves, oh, this is perfect. This is the one. We haven't found it yet. You know what so, I saw one for me? Yeah. Chris is pissed. Chris is pissed. I, I like that. We'll see. I don't, but, I'm not really you're mad. Not, yeah, you're not an angry person. Like, no. that's just not your your internal nature. Um, no, I'm so, not going to change it overnight. No, one could never. Um, basically, what this started as, this article that I wrote today, um, it, it was an editorial about the coaching staff. And I was going to talk today about how important it was to bring Travis and Ian Clark back. And I just started kind of writing it out. Nothing serious, just, you know, writing what I was going to say on the show. And I was like, this is an article. Like I I can turn this into an article. I had a quote from Jim uh, about how badly they wanted to bring back all the coaching staff. And I was like, you know what? enough's enough. Like that's kind of what I said to myself. And that's the first line that I wrote in the story was enough is enough. And I was pretty happy with the way it turned out. I got to be honest, live right now at Canucks army. And you also had a really good article about Niels Hoaglander and his five on five production. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to Hoaglander a little bit later. Uh, but let's, let's stick with the coach staff because it, it just feels like, you know, I feel like we've been saying this all season long, but the more days that we go by here without a contract, there's got to be a lot more options opening up for Travis Green. We're seeing that week by week, more job openings starting to happen. You know, we saw the torts firing. We saw what happened with the Rangers. There's there's more jobs and good jobs. You know, you know who, who has money? Who, yeah, well, the Rangers. Who doesn't yeah. want to be a coach in New York, yeah. Madison Square Garden, when you're back to having fans in the arena? Who wouldn't want to coach for the Rangers? With what they have and those players? Yep. You know, is Travis the number one available coach after this year now that Brendan Moore signed like young kind of up and coming because you're not you know there's obviously the recycling coaches and there's a lot of those guys but it's hard to to put up you know the way that Travis has been able to coach young players and his development into the NHL as a coach he's got a good looking resume yeah you know he does he absolutely does and he's he's well regarded around the league but the Rangers have said they want to go with an experienced coach I look at a guy like Gerard Gallant who hasn't been working for a while, but is an experienced coach who has respect around the league. Travis, I don't know. He's just not there yet. Like, he's well-respected. I think there's a fit, absolutely, in in a place like Anaheim. Uh, There's a few other places around the league that Travis could absolutely fit in. I just don't know if the Rangers are willing to 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 target Travis because they are going for, they want experience they've been open about that and they have the money to sign whoever mm-hmm. they want really so you know what they also have money for and I know that we've heard the rumors to Florida but with the young goaltenders that they have there yeah Ian Clark to the Rangers makes a lot of sense mm, too it does it do- well and Ian Clark to a lot of places makes sense Ian Clark yeah Ian Clark anywhere makes a lot of yeah. sense if Ian Clark wants to go coach in the KHL he could go coach in the yeah KHL. it's like oh you have goalies Ian Clark is a good fit yeah, exactly. for you <laughs> but I think that that's 
even still, like we'll, we'll touch on Ian Clark a little bit, but Travis deserves to have that contract back. And I just think that looking at what we've seen throughout the season so much, like he's been the guy to come out and talk about the allegations at Jake for 10. He's been the guy to come out and talk every single day to the media from a wide variety of topics through COVID to players playing to, to anything that's happening off ice. They've put him out to the podium every single day. And, you know, there's been battles back and forth. I wouldn't call them like battles, but, you know, media battles between Travis and people in the media. And we see it week to week with his, you know, the way that he answers some questions and certain <laughs> questions and stuff like that. But, you know, in the end, you got to give props to Travis because he's came out every day. Like he probably, well, you know, like six to seven days a week. Yeah. You know, some weeks, some weeks he doesn't come out. They'll have a, a travel day. But any other day, he's out there talking to media. And we've heard from Jim Benning, what, twice? Yeah. Was it t- maybe three times? And we only hear from Francesco Aquilini when the Canucks win. And we only hear <laughs> from him on Twitter. And that's, I think that's where I'd like to go with this for you. And just to see, like, you know, Jim seems to have aligned himself. Or, sorry, Travis has aligned himself with Jim in some of his recent comments as well. You know, of him and Travis. Or Travis saying that him and Jim, they, they want to work together. He wants to be here in Vancouver. Jim wants him as the coach. That was something you put in your article, the quote that Jim says in there. Is it is it Aquilini that's slowing down the process right now? Yes. How is this? Yeah. Everybody knows this. This yeah. is this. Okay. You don't have why, the coach. Though? I don't get why. Because he doesn't have the money, man. They, they're, they've lost so much money. Alex Blair of Sportsnet 650. He said that they're losing around 20 to 30 million. He floated that out there. That's significant, Chris. Like that, Those are significant losses, especially when you're paying Louis Erickson $6 million not to play for the team. And it's partly, mostly... Why they didn't do buyouts last offseason, right? Like, the Canucks could have been better this season if they were allowed to have buyouts, but they weren't, Chris. And I don't know if they will this offseason. Is the checkbook going to be open this offseason? Because if it's not, the Canucks are in serious trouble, man. Like, it's not going to be easy for them to improve. And that's kind of what I alluded to in my article is, look, you're not going to be able to revamp the bottom six. It's It's going to look similar to what it looks like right now. And you're not going to be able to shore up your defense either. So how are you going to make your on-ice product when you have fans in the building likely next year, at some point next year for sure, um, how are you going to make your on-ice product any better than what it is right now when the Canucks are sitting, what, 28th overall in the league? Like, that's not good enough. You've got Elias Patterson on the first year of his new deal, Quinn Hughes on the first year of his new deal, Vasily Colson coming to town, and this is the product you're going to put out? Like, this is the best you can do with that supporting cast? Like... That that's just not good enough. It, it's not good enough, Chris. And I'm sorry. Like I, I get there's financial losses, and there's a reason that I don't run million dollar businesses. But it just it, it doesn't seem like good business to let Ian walk or Travis walk when your on ice product is going to take such a hit. Like honestly, is there a coach that could get more out of the team than Travis does? I, I don't know, Chris. Like, people always say, oh, Travis's systems. It's like, watch the games and just... Look, Travis wasn't yelling from the bench for Alex Edler to stand in the middle with his stick down and let Blake Wheeler walk in last night. Travis wasn't doing that. That's because Alex Edler's old and slow, and he's not the defenseman he once was, but he's still playing top four minutes. Like, that's not up to Travis. He can't... 
that's the personnel he's been given, Chris. And I just don't know if there's a coach who can get more out of this team than Travis has. And again, I look at the bubble. Like, the Canucks' bottom six wasn't good last year. Look at the teams they were up against, Chris. Like, look at this roster construction of the St. Louis Blues. The Canucks managed to beat St. Louis. They managed to take Vegas to Game 7. The roster construction of those teams, the Canucks were not built as well as either of those teams. But they managed to win. And that was largely because Travis got all the players to buy into his system. And, you know, they were they were buying what he was selling. It was different hockey that we saw exactly. in the playoffs, right? Like, that was... I think that was the biggest thing that boosts Travis Green's value. Oh, absolutely. Was what he did in the playoffs last year as, you know, being able to beat, you know, a tired St. Louis Blues team that was coming off of COVID as well. We can't forget that. Yep. But, you know, able to beat that team, beat the Minnesota Wild. The way that they, that they did... In the playoffs, they played different. Like, it felt different. And then seeing the adjustment that they really made, it almost took it to, like, the extreme of what Travis wanted to get out of this team when you saw Thatcher Demko in that because it was all, like, funnel all of your players towards your goaltender, keep the pucks outside, let your goalie make easy saves. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what we saw. And I just feel like that, that, like, that product that he produced in the playoffs from his team didn't only come from Travis Green. Exactly. Came from the players too, right? Demko. Like, Demko was a huge came part. Came from the investment of the players into what their coach that's been coaching a lot of these guys for the last two to three yeah. years was telling them. Uh, if you're if you're not happy with the way the Canucks play because of the roster, then you want Travis Green back. And I think that's the biggest problem, like you mentioned, has been what the supporting staff is. If you look at the team and you say, well, they have enough players to be a playoff team, but it's Travis that's not getting you there, then you have to look for another coach. Exactly. But I don't think that's the problem. No, exactly. That's not the problem. It's, you know, tr- look at look at the lineup right now. Like, look at the lineup right now. you got Highmore in your top six. <laughs> playing first line, what, 20-plus minutes the other night for yeah. Highmore? Yeah. How is a coach supposed to get there? Look at what happens when one player is taking on the lineup and Elias Pettersson. Look what happened to the top six. That's where we're at right now with Highmore there. That's yeah. not on the coach. What's the coach supposed to do when one top six player goes down and the whole team is broken, right? Yeah. Now you have one line that's, you know, the JT Miller line, you're playing JT Miller at center, a spot where he shouldn't be, a, a spot where he's not at his best as a player, but because of one injury to Elias Pettersson, it has broken this team. And I get that. It's your best player. It's obviously going to make a huge difference. But losing your best player shouldn't break your team if you have a good roster. No, absolutely. If you have a fine If you have an okay roster, if you have a bad built, a, a poorly built roster, then when you lose your best player, it breaks everything. That's just the way it works, and that's what we've seen this year. I I think Travis needs to be re-upped. I think that the investment and the trust that he's got with the star players here, because look what he did to Petey. Look what he did to Quinn. When they both came in, there was a lot of trust put in those guys. Yep. Look at Niels. Niels is going to be a star in this league. Even Rathbone. The way yeah. he's deployed Rathbone, it's impressive, man. He's giving him top four minutes right away, and it's so funny because we were talking on the other episode, and sorry, I don't mean to cut you off and go, no. kind of change your subject, Please. but we were talking the other week. We were like, okay, so he's playing Yolevi minutes. He did well. I wonder if he's going to come out of the lineup. I said he shouldn't come out of the lineup for the rest of the year. Uh, it doesn't look like he's going to. Um, but for Travis to go ahead and put him in top four minutes and you know, really throwing him, like Travis said in his post game, he said, yeah, it's similar to what we did with Quinn. We're just kind of throwing him into the water and letting him swim. And he's swimming like Rathbone's playing as well, like way better than I think we even thought. And we that were first huge. power play. Oh man. Holy. And, and yeah, I don't mean like the unit, but they put him on the first power play unit and that first power play attempt that they had. Holy. It looks so much more dynamic with it him. It looks there. good. And I wonder 
where they go with that because yet you know we what we've seen from the second unit this year with the loss of Jake Vertan and Adam Gaudet, you know, two guys that drove the second power play unit last year. Second unit has just been brutal this year. I'm gonna have to dig some numbers up on this and see what they've been able to produce, but like I can't remember the last goal from the second power play unit. No, I can't. Like, I, I can't yeah. I can't remember it at all. And uh, you know, they have some guys there that can create a little bit of offense. Deals Huglander being on that second power play unit. We'll talk about him in a little bit, maybe in the second half. But going from here, it just feels like I just get the idea that this is the way that my brain is processing everything. Ian Clark's 100% for sure gone. Travis Green's still 50-50 to me in my brain. I don't yeah. think that he's leaning towards either way right now. I think that it's going to see what the next pretty much week says about teams. Because, you know, a lot of teams have finished their seasons already. You know, coaches are going to be fired. Maybe even a couple teams in the playoffs fire their coach after this year. And then I think Travis just looks at everything around him. Looks at what the Canucks made him do this year. He's a BC guy. He wants to be here and coach Vancouver. He wants to coach the Canucks. He's talked about it a lot. You know, you want to coach your home province team. That's a huge deal for a Canadian, right? Like, he wants to be the Vancouver coach that gets them over the hump and wins the Stanley Cup. That would be huge. You know, going back to his hometown. That would be amazing. Take it up to the casino over there. I've been to that casino. It's good. Well, it's not good. But anyways, <laughs> like, I think that he wants to be the coach here. I don't think he wants to go to another place, but just... The other part of it is like the respect that's been shown to him or the lack of it's just, I don't feel like there's any support for him right now. This season, there has been no support for Travis green from, I mean, there's a little bit from management actually, like you are seeing the support from Jim Benning, but where else is he getting it from? He's probably getting it from his peers that are around his level, but upper management past Jim Benning ownership. You got to think that a guy who's doing this much for your group would get some support. Why would you want to return to that job? No, I don't care if you're an NHL coach or a fast food worker at McDonald's. If you're not getting any type of support and you're being thrown out to put in these situations, that's hard on you and makes your job even harder. Why would you want to come back to it? Like why, aside from being a Vancouver, like a BC guy, why the hell would you want to come back here? I think, you know, like to answer the question is Travis really likes the group. Like he, he really likes him, likes his players. And He's grown with them, and we've talked about it. He's developed Besser. He's he's watched the progression of these guys, and you know it, that was Travis that made Elias Pettersson a center when he first got here. Even like media who believed in Elias Pettersson were saying, "Okay, it's probably smart to start him on the wing." And Travis was like, "No, he's a center," and he put him in that position to succeed. And it, I just I, I don't know, Chris. Like to answer the question. That's why he wants to come back is because he believes in this group and he he knows what he can do with them if they just get to the playoffs, right? And yeah, there was some huge personnel changes over this offseason. You know, basically everything that went wrong for the Canucks this year did go wrong. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And, you know, it's difficult because they started no preseason, ton of games, new players not knowing systems, having to learn on the fly in games. Like, that's not easy to do. Nate Schmidt talked a lot about that, those struggles that he had at the start of the year. And I'm like... Demko wasn't great to start the year either. And it was still alternating with Holpe and it wasn't a good situation for either guy at the start of the year. They just weren't getting, they they weren't getting anything. It was just, everybody was struggling at various points. Like even, even the top six to start. The what season. was the thing that we saw every day still Travis being out there having to talk about everything. Oh yeah, exactly. You know? Well, that's, well, that's an NHL coach. That's what you got to do, right? Sure. But like no support though. 
We, absolutely. In all those times at the start right. when the roster wasn't, you know, what a lot of people were hoping it could be. Did you hear from Jim at all? Like nothing. You wouldn't hear from Jim when there was all the talk about why isn't Travis signed? Why isn't Ian Clark getting a contract? Nothing. Like nothing from ownership, nothing from management. I just think that, yeah, he he must love this group. And that would, like, I agree with you. That's that's another good point. That like that would be one of the main reasons why he would want to stay here. Being from BC is another main reason. But like, how much can you hold on to those two things when everything else is just not good? Yeah. Like where, where do you draw the line? And I think he is going to have to explore other options. You know, I, I would love to wake up tomorrow morning and see an email from Canucks saying that there's a press conference with Jim Benning to talk about, you know, the extension Travis Green. I'd love to wake up and see that email. But I just, I, I'm still 50-50 if it's even going to happen. And I don't think it happens soon. I don't think it's going to happen this season. Like, if it's anything, I feel like it comes in the off season. It's going to be a weird negotiation. Do you think there's any chance of Ian Clark coming back, though? Any chance? Like, any percentage? What would you put it at? Because I'm to like 30, I'm under 5. 30, 40%? It's not 50, 50. I, I don't I think, think it's 40% as as up to 40? Uh, 40 is probably generous. I don't Let's think there's a real chance of him coming back at all. Well, okay. Aside from what you mentioned earlier about Travis liking his players, like... Clark's seen a guy in Thatcher Demko develop into who could arguably be one of the yeah. top goal champions. He's still developing. Okay. And that's his guy. But like, aside from that, why would he want to stay here? Okay. So the reason that I have it at 30. Yeah. Jim wants it back. The entire hockey ops department wants him back. The only person that needs to be convinced of this is Francesco and the ownership group, right? Like that's, that's what's standing in the way. This is a money issue. This isn't, oh, we don't think Ian Clark's done a good job. Like, he, everybody knows Ian Clark's excelled at the job he's done, right? And, you know, I think you have to push hard. It, it's doable, but it's gonna. It's all going to be about money in the end, right? And I, I put it at that chance because Ian wants to stay is the, the vibe that I get. Like, he likes working with Thatcher, and... I wouldn't be overly surprised if there's maybe a plan in place to keep him because when Thatcher Demko signed Rick Dolly, well, Donnie and Dolly, the team on Czech TV, talks about how in his contract negotiations, Demko asked about Ian Clark. I don't know the extent of that. I don't know what he asked about, but one can assume that he asked if Ian would be here long-term, if he would be here next year, and then Demko signed the deal. Now, I fully understand that what he was probably told was exactly what Jim has said publicly, and that is that we're going to do everything in our power to make sure Ian comes back. Now, I, I think that's what the Demko camp was told, and then obviously if you have a $25 million contract on the table, you're not going to be like, well, I'm just going to wait until... Right. until uh, my goalie coach gets signed. Like, you're going to sign that deal regardless. So I'm not trying to say that Demko signing it means that Clark is coming back. I am saying that there is a chance because of him asking about Clark and then signing the deal. But like I said, I I, I, I get the sense that all Demko's camp was told is exactly what we've been told. And that's from Jim saying, we're going to do everything in our power to get Ian signed. And that's, that's what they want to do. They want to bring Ian back. And when I say they... Make sure that you understand that I mean the hockey ops department. I don't mean ownership. I mean the hockey ops department. I think that it's a lot, a very much different situation for Green and Clark both, right? Like I give it, my idea is that 5% for Clark to be back, 50-50 for Green still. That, you know, there's a reason behind that because I think that Ian Clark's a specialist coach. 
right? Who does a lot. Like let's you've brought it up a lot about how his drafting has been so huge for teams. Yeah. You know, his like, evaluations yeah. of of potential draft picks that are goaltenders. Clark does an incredible job for an organization for that. He's not just doing that. He's giving Adam Godet tips on shootouts. You know, he's got a full goalie plan from the AHL down to his prospects. He's working close with Curtis Sanford. I'm sure he's got constant contact with the guys that were overseas and Arthur Silos in the past. Now, obviously, in North America and with him. But, like, this guy is a huge asset who can go wherever he wants. Yeah. And doesn't have to be a goaltender coach. Can be a goaltender advisor. Can be whatever they want to call their goaltender department, head of the goaltender department. I don't know what they call it down in Florida. But, you know, they have certain things like that. I just think that for him, it's like, you got to show this guy a level of respect, you know, for what he's done, what he is, what he's going to continue to be. There needs to be a high level of respect shown to Ian Clark. And unless a deal's been done behind the scenes for a long time, it's not happening over the next month to me. Yeah. The only thing, and I've said this for a long time, the only reason that I think it might be different is just because of the world that we're in with COVID that maybe that is slowing certain things down. But you know, Francesco Aquilini's got a lot of money. He can pay Ian Clark. Well, yeah. He should pay Ian Clark. Yeah. But he's. I just don't think you're at the point, if it's not done now, if it hasn't been done behind the scenes for a long time, I don't think that any negotiation is going to please Ian Clark at this point. That's just what I get to read off the situation. I If I'm a betting man, Chris, I'm saying Ian signs in Toronto. That's the team that I think he's going to sign with. Because I like my Rangers one earlier. Toronto's had a well. That, that's what you said about Travis. You think Travis and Ian go? No, to I think the Rangers? I think Ian's more likely to go there. That's what I was saying earlier. Oh, that's right. Sorry, Ian sorry, Clark sorry. Yeah, to yeah. the Rangers. I was bad. saying Travis goes to the Rangers. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. yeah no. Toronto. I, I I think Toronto because you look at the goaltending situation in Toronto. Freddie Anderson's just hasn't found it as he had in the first couple of years with Toronto. And Jack Campbell's look great, but. That's a team with not a ton of goaltending prospects coming through, and that's just another thing that Ian can really help you with is identifying talent and really yeah. developing these guys. And man, when you when you take into account that the Marlies are right across the street and Ian's going to be able to work with these guys directly, and hell, it, that's all the more reason to keep him in Vancouver, man. He's going to get... Okay. Mikey DiPietro is going to be able to Very good get point. games in next year and work with Ian Clark at the same time. Ian's going to hop on the Trans-Canada Highway, head down to Abbotsford, and work with Mikey DiPietro. Like, that's a good situation for Mikey. That's a good situation for Ian. That's all the more reason to keep him. I didn't even think of that before. Yeah, but. I didn't think of that. That's a really good point. Like, having him... We voted we won all the past year. Like, oh, at least he's with Ian Clark instead of playing Now games. he can get both. Now he gets 40 starts. Yeah, you know, close. Well, probably thirty starts. Probably get some NHL games next year, but thirty plus starts in the AHL plus as much time as possible with Ian Clark at practice. Even Silos, same thing. He's Ooh. gonna. Oh, that's got to be the the tandem next year in Utica, right? Uh, it is for Cielos sure. And, and yeah, Kylie's. That's, a, that's an exciting team. Yeah, it you is. Know, you're gonna. You're probably gonna have Gadjevich there next year. Captain Tyler Grayback potentially. Yes. You know, maybe maybe he's there, but Mister Abbotsford, Mister oh. Abbotsford, Tyler Grayback. Yeah. Mystery. Yeah, I thought you were going to say someone else might be there, but his contract's probably going to be bought out instead or whatever. We'll see what happens. Uh, aside from that, I just wanted to get a quick wrap-up before we get to break. We're going to talk Hoglander on the other side. We'll talk about well your article in the first half, my article in the second half of the episode. Yes. But I want to close out with some hype. You love your Rathbone hype, so go off a little bit here. We haven't talked since 
the power play. Like the day that Jack Rathbone hopped into the first power play unit with the Vancouver Canucks. It happened. I, I tweeted in all caps because I was so blown away. He was out there on the first power play unit playing in the Petter zone and looked good. That first power play was the yeah. best power play that I've seen in a long time from the Vancouver Canucks. He was firing shots. He hit the post later in the game. You know, Rathbone looks good, and now given the opportunity, he, the pairings have been switched up. All season long, we've seen pretty much the exact same pairings with, you know, a guy being slid out with Jordy Ben here and there, you know, Ole Levy coming in for a few games, but we haven't really seen the pairings get flipped until Rathbone has kind of forced the team to think of him as a top four for the remainder of the season here. So I don't know, quads go off from what you've seen from Rathbone. What's there to say? He's just been, he's been fantastic. And I am accepting apologies to those who uh, angrily tweeted at me that Ollie Levy needs to be in the lineup and got mad at me about saying that Rathbone needs to be in the lineup over Yolevi. Like looking back on that take, like it, I didn't even think it was going to age as well as it did. I thought, <laughs> I thought Rathbone would be a bit better than Yolevi, but man, he, he's, there's nothing, there is nothing that all your levies better than Jack Rathbone at nothing. I, I, I no, your in zone defending. No, it's no. not. It's not. He's taller. No. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> He's better at being taller. You're right. But no, there, there is literally nothing. Rathbone has better in zone defensive awareness. He's better at gap control. Literally everything. He's better than you'll love yet. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to die on this hill. How that, have you liked it since we've seen a switch from Tyler Myers to Hamannick as his partner? I like it. I mean, yeah, it, it's kind of what you, know, you were saying. It's hard to watch the games right now, but yeah, the, that's that's the one thing that I've kind of yeah. attaching myself to. Yeah, if you're if you're a Canucks fan and you're still watching all these games, props to you, props to you because if I if if we weren't like doing this for work, I don't know if I'd be watching the game. Last night, so we're recording this on Wednesday. We're gonna have this out for you guys on Wednesday. But Tuesday night's game, Canucks Twitter, nothing. Yeah, it was dead, man. It was, it was crickets dead. the it was whole just night. The Canucks Army account. Yeah, well, that's you know five nothing game. You kind of expect that if it was a five nothing game the other way around, maybe. But talking about mayonnaise, on wow, cheese. Yeah, well, you know, I haven't tried it. I haven't tried it either. People, I didn't know that was that a thing that people did. And then someone, is, somebody told me that don't use Miracle Whip because I'm a Miracle Whip guy. Mm. I don't like. I don't like how. Uh, no, I like mayonnaise, but I like Miracle Whip better. I think it's got a nice little tang to it. Little zing for the sandwich. Never you know had Miracle it, Whip. The good mix is Miracle Whip and a little bit of pepper on a sandwich. It changes mm. it a lot. One of the uh, one of my favorite sandwiches growing up, and we'll go off the rails here a little bit. One of my favorite sandwiches growing up was um, my best friend in elementary school, Chad. Still one of my best friends today. Probably Chad. be the best man at my wedding. Chad, total Chad too. Loves the gym, uh, <laughs> but he, um, his mom used to make us these sandwiches, and they were just white bread, Miracle Whip, cheddar cheese, like old cheddar cheese, okay, cucumbers, and salt and pepper, and Miracle Whip on the other end. Oh. Was some of the it's just a refreshing sandwich. Really, it was a cheese and cucumber sandwich. But the key was the salt and pepper. Like I didn't put salt and pepper in my sandwiches. Still don't. But like, yeah, I know. I got. I haven't had one of those in a long time. But you just you slice the cucumbers very thin. You get some nice good cheddar cheese and Miracle Whip, and then salt and pepper. Wow. You know what Delicious. I used to have in my lunches? My mom used to make this cream cheese with thinly sliced cucumber. Very similar mm. to what you were just saying. And you know what? I don't like it now. But when I was a kid, I used to love having that for lunch. That was great. Cream cheese in a sandwich is like a mistake that some people just some people just haven't tried it. Yeah. But it's it's the best thing you can have on one side of a piece of bread. Like if you have a sandwich, you know, you put the mu- the mustard or mayonnaise on the other side, but the other side, you got to go, you know, the uh herb and garlic cream cheese. Yeah. Like it's it's so good to a sandwich. 
Yeah, little tote, maybe a little crisp on the outside. Yeah. Very good. Wow. You know what I got for Christmas was a little, this thing that, it's a bag that goes in the uh, toaster. So you take your sandwich, you put it in this bag, then you put it in the toaster. I don't know why. I don't know why you don't just, maybe because if you're making a grilled cheese and it's like the cheese is melting out, it gets in the bottom of the toaster. This one just sits in the bag. So you can put like whatever you want and you just throw it in the toaster. I The commercial had people doing steaks and I was like, I ain't putting a freaking steak. In the <laughs> maybe I will. I'll just see what happens. But like you can put whatever you want and all the stuff that leaks out just gets caught in this toastable bag. I've used it once. Interesting. Why don't you just put it on a like? Well, that's the thing. That's how I've used it once. Like, <laughs> I yeah, it's I was gonna Christmas say. and it's not help. But anyways, what were we talking about there before we finished <laughs> up? Before we went on the sandwiches there, Jack Rap. So Jack Rap. By yeah. the way, we recorded before this episode. We recorded a Patreon. Faber and Quads shoot the bleep, and we just talked on hockey, and we just did that for about five minutes. But full half hour episodes of us doing that. We we talked about a lot of stuff today. Uh, it's going to be out tomorrow for our Patreon subscribers. We're going to post it tomorrow. But patreon.com slash Canucks Convo, 5 and $10 tier, gets you all the bonus content, gets you... What was the thing that we just said that we were going to do? We, we said there was going to be some bonus content. I can't remember what we said. Well, we're going to have a French toast cook-off. French toast cook-off. We're going to... Uh, I'm going to see how many home runs you out. off you. Yeah. Um... What else? There was one other. Well, whatever. We'll figure it out. But yeah, lots of well, fun bonus I said if the Canucks make the playoffs, I'd shotgun 12. Uh, yeah, so that's not stars. happening. That's not happening. Literally, it's not happening. <laughs> Thank goodness. And we're talking to a new uh, talking to a new company, potentially. Yes. Fun time to, to fill, uh, fill our friends at Mike's, which we enjoyed. Still, we did enjoy you know, that I still enjoy the Mike's. They don't yeah. pay us money anymore, but I still love those blue freezes. They're yeah. good good drinks. Yeah. Good but, folks uh, over there. Good time again to plug... Uh, the Patreon. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. Um, we'll head into the break here. Uh, but on the other side, we got, uh, we're got we going to talk Huglander because what he's doing at 515 is so damn impressive. I wrote about it. You know, We spent the first half talking about Quaz's article. We'll send the second half talking about mine. And the silly pod Colson back on the ice. We'll get into that in the second half of the episode. You are listening to the Canucks Conversation. All right. You guys all know about Parallel 4.9 Beer from our commercials here on the show. And now we have a new announcement. Hello, Peach Bod. That's right. It's not all about the Beach Bod this summer. It's all about the Peach Bod this summer. This one's an interesting one, folks. A sparkling peach ale. So you're getting a beer with peach flavor on it. But it's also high in carbonation. It's definitely a different one. And I highly recommend going out there and giving it a try if you're into a peach flavored beer. And that's something, you know, I'm pretty damn into. I got to get out and try it myself pretty soon here. I will report back on the show about this. Uh, so go out there and try the peach bod for yourself from Parallel 49 Beer. Check them out on Instagram at Parallel 49 as in the numbers and then beer. That's Parallel 49 Beer. And be sure to check out their website for more information about how you can get beer through Uber Eats. That's right, through those food delivery apps. Uber Eats, you can get your delivery from Parallel 49 Beer. Be sure to check out their website, Parallel49Brewing.com. That's Parallel, the numbers 49Brewing.com. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca jobs. 
And a big thank you to all of our sponsors. And potentially, like I mentioned before the break, quads, a couple more coming on board. Got some exciting local BC businesses that want to hop on board with the Canucks combo. You know, reach our thousands of listeners and our thousands of followers on Twitter. We want to help them. We want to help them on Twitter. That's where we thrive, and that's where a lot of businesses just ain't cutting it. It's on Twitter. There's thousands of people there seeing tweets every day, watching us tweet about Rathbone and, and Huglander and and that's it right now, to be 100% honest. The only <laughs> things you're really excited for for the team. But if you want to get involved with the Canucks conversation, you know, shoot us a DM. Shoot us a DM on Twitter. Send us an email. Uh, you know, CanucksCombo at Hotmail.com. We never use that uh, email. Never even talk about it. But, you know, shoot us a message anywhere. Instagram. You can find us. Let us know. But want to get into some stuff. First, before we get into Huglander, I just want to get this out there. Jonah Gadjevich and Cole Lynn have to be back in the lineup on Thursday. Right, like Gadjevich has to make his debut. Cole Lynn needs to be back in the lineup. That, to me, that's an absolute must. Yeah, absolutely. Especially there's, from there's what you just There's nothing to saw. play for anymore, right? Like, yeah, I get, I get. Travis is still coaching for a job, and he wants to win, but I, don't, I don't know how much he's going to be judged on these games. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think a team's. I was like, well. You lost those games at the end of the year when your About team was game fifty four, Travis, of <laughs> yeah, that year exactly. when you played Jonah Gadjevich over Matthew Highmore, <laughs> not letting that go. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's going to come into negotiations, but I get it. Like I don't know, I, I, he he should be playing. Like Jonah Gadjevich should be playing. They got to play. You know the what? Kids. Lockwood Lockwood should get those two games too. We talked yeah. about potentially getting two games for Lockwood. Why, Why are you calling him up, making him quarantine if he's not going to play? Well, AHL money, or I mean NHL money, if you get him, or still in taxi squad, still getting his AHL salary. Yeah, he is. So no, so he's got to get into the lineup, and you know, Jonah's the one that you got to see just because of the big question about his game is can he keep up with the NHL game? It doesn't take a lot of sample size to see if he can or not. He simply can go out there and skate and keep up with the pace of player. He can't. It's it's going to take you a couple games to be like, uh, there is a chance here. And maybe he can keep it up or look, he just simply can't do it. You know, there's a couple options there. We talked to him last week or I talked to him and didn't, it wasn't on the show. I guess it was just for an article, but you know, talked to him last week and he's excited for it. The guy's worked his ass off over the past two years now, more than anything, because I think he, you know, the quote that he said was he wanted to be that guy again for his whole hockey career. He was that guy and he just wasn't over the first two years of Utica and he worked his ass off this past off season. He's improved. He's absolutely improved and absolutely gotten back in the minds of Canucks fans when he was starting to become a forgotten thought. I remember him being number 14 on our prospect rankings, you know, a year ago, right? Like that's just where he was. He wasn't progressing like a lot of people hoped. And then this year, 15 goals, 19 games. He's the Comets MVP. We put in our votes this week for um, the Utica Comets, all their awards. He was my MVP. Who's we? Well, all of us, the Utica media and me. You, you guys did do that? Yeah, That's I get a awesome. vote. I get a vote for the, the that comments. That is amazing. Come on. Wow, Utica media and me. I love that. I'm That's there. amazing. Yeah, I, I'm excited for you to be covering Abbotsford next year. Oh. Because you'll actually covering be Covering or games. Doing, doing color for them because, you know, I don't know. I've the campaign. Seeing, everybody's going to start the campaign. I, the campaign's got to start. I don't. I think it should, like, do I need to start it now? And who I do I tweet at? Why not? I, I don't know. The I want to do color. The mayor of Abbotsford. Yeah, I, well, I, somebody, some people have been, I've seen two tweets in the past week saying that, uh, you know, maybe I should be doing color for them. I would absolutely be down. Yeah, it depends who gets the rights, right? If 650 think, gets those rights? I don't think From what I've heard, you know, I'm, a, I'm in the industry, in the okay. radio industry. What I've heard, it's the old country station out there. 
93.7? Not 93.7, a different one that's out in Abbotsford. There's a country station that plays Canucks games because 650s doesn't reach that far. What? From what I, this is just what I've heard. I probably could be wrong, but I think that there's a country station out there, 1017 maybe? What the hell? Yeah, out in Abbotsford. And I think that might be their broadcasting rights. Anyways, that's just what I heard, rumor. There's a country station out there that's not JRFM. Okay, interesting. Which, what do you th- speaking of Abbotsford and country music, what's your take on country music overall? I need to be in a very specific mood to listen to country music. I'm not, I don't like country music. So I've seen a picture of you sleeveless wearing a straw cowboy hat. Is that the, the mood? That's the mood. That's yeah, the mood. If Corona hot, in your hands? Oh yeah, if it's hot. Yes. Um, if it's hot outside, I'm more in a country mood. I really like Chris Stapleton, who's really country. Um, I don't really like poppy country. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I like That's the one I like. Yeah. If I finished work, like back when I was at the mill, finished work on a Friday, there was two moods. It was either country music on the Friday heading home from the mill or Nickelback. And it was like, how, how nasty am I going to get today? If I'm getting sauced up, it was probably Nickelback. Like, okay. I would have a shower playlist that was three Nickelback songs, and I would drink three beers in the shower, like on wow. Friday after shifts. Wow. And you'd be buzzing, ready to go after that. You're like, you're ready for the night. But then, wow. like, you know, country, like, the songs I know on country, like, if I had to make a top, like, 50 songs of my life, there's probably four country songs. Wagon Wheel's in there for me. I mean, I could listen to Wagon Wheel any day of the week. You know, a couple of Florida Georgia Lions songs I don't hate. I don't hate, and there's a couple old school ones. I'd have to, I'd have to look at it more. Anyways, yeah, country's not really my thing. Move on from country a little bit, but you know, right time, right place. I'm down, but I'm not gonna, not gonna listen to the station. Yeah, no, me neither. Unless I'm doing play by play for them. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, color. I don't do play by play. Company man favor. Yeah, company man, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, you'll see this weekend. Um, All right, I want to do dive into Niels Huglander a little bit. Leads the team now in five-on-five scoring. The number one on the Canucks for five-on-five scoring. And just looking at his numbers from what he stacks up against the other super rookies that you want to talk about in Vancouver. I mean, Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes. All three of those players called their nominees, right? All three of them. It's pretty obvious. We still know that. We were hoping for a fourth this year. A lot of people didn't think it was going to happen with Huglander, and that's fair because we didn't think he was going to do this this season. The way that he stacks up, he has... A higher points per 60 at even strength than Brock Besser in his rookie season. Higher than Quinn Hughes, because Quinn Hughes gets all the power play points. And just just a little bit shy of Elias Pettersson's rookie year, where Elias Pettersson outright went out and won the Calder. Yeah. Like, he was the best player in that year. But the interesting one was looking at some of the advanced statistics in their rookie years and seeing that Nils Huglander was not just, like, a little bit higher than everyone else in individual expected goals, but, like, one and a half times as high as Elias Pettersson for expected goals at five on five. Higher than Brock Besser, who was a ridiculous sniper in his first year with that shot. And obviously way higher than Quinn Hughes just because he wasn't there. But that's why, like, Niels Huglander is just an analytics darling. Not only from what you see on the ice and the way that he works his ass off, but he's going to be one of those players where everybody evaluating him with the analytics background is going to say, like, this guy is a great player. He's going to be underrated still, no matter what performance he does. And I think that's a lot to do with just the way that his his work effort, his work level and, and work ethic is just going to keep him always engaged in the play. We heard Travis talk about it. I got to ask him the question the other morning about it. And he just said, you know, like 
when skilled players don't work hard, they're not the best players in the world. But when skilled players work hard, they're they're the best players in the world. That's as simple as that. And that's where for a guy like Travis, who you know he he played the game, he he does use the eye test, but also uses analytics. Harmon wrote a great piece about how Travis employs analytics uh, and how he really likes to follow that. Like. Hoglander is the perfect player for that because your eye test tells you that he's the first into every puck battle and he usually comes away with the puck. He's hard on pucks. He's, you know, he's everything you'd like to see from an eye test perspective. And the analytics tell you that he can be an elite scorer if given the right opportunity. And I honestly, like this is, this is a player that came in and I think was a lot better than we thought. And I think we have another one on our hands with Jack Rathbone and, you know, not to, not to beat a dead horse. Two very pure Judd Brackett picks might uh, might add that. <laughs> yes, uh, Jack Rathbone literally playing within a stone's throw of where yeah of where um, Judd Brackett came from. Yes. literally, he'd known him since he was a little kid. Um, but yeah, we don't have to reopen. Yeah, that we're not door. reopening that uh, that big that. That can um, of worms. All I wanted to say was like it's. I have this thought here and there, and you know maybe we can explore it here a little bit. But every year. Young players are better, right? Look at what they were in the 80s. Look at what they were in the 90s. Look at what they were in the early 2000s. Look at where they are now. What 19 and 20-year-old kids are able to do in the NHL. Be the best players in the world. You can have a 21-year-old player that's best in the world. I wonder if we need to go into that more, thinking that these young players can do more. Like, is it an old-school way of thinking that this guy needs to learn and develop to before being a, a regular NHL player? Doesn't have to be the stars. Like, let's let's talk about Jack Rathbone for an example. You know, what happens if Jack Rathbone would have came into last season and put into the exact same role? Do I think that he's gotten that much better over the past year? He's probably improved. He's probably gotten better. But I bet he was doing a lot of the exact same things one year ago. That's a good point. I bet he would have been on the Canucks team right now and you know, maybe looked a little bit smaller. Maybe like that's the only thing that I think these young players are. But with a guy like Vasily Podkolzin, there's not going to be a learning phase for this guy. Yeah, that's a He's good point. He's going to come in. He knows how to play the game at a professional level. He knows what to do to play against men. He knows what the physicality is going to be like. There there isn't as much like learning for these guys anymore because like everything that they do is such a high level, whether you're junior hockey in Canada or if you're in the USHL, or if you're developing with the national team or you're playing college hockey, everything's so good. Like everything is so good. I know that there was like, there was definitely things in the past, like, you know, 20 years ago, there was a lot of good coming out of Sweden and Russia that were very advanced compared to what you're seeing with junior hockey. And you know, the thing that's taken the biggest growth is probably American hockey. Or like what they're able to do now and what they did a couple of years ago in that 2019 draft, that was ridiculous to have that many players select in the first 16 picks. Like I just, I think that young players are, are better than we even think. Cause like I watched a lot of Niels Huglander. I watched every game, you know, for like two full years. And I just kept thinking in the back of my mind, like this, this guy's going to come into the NHL and be really good. But like, I couldn't say that cause it would feel like I was just being way too positive. But I think that, that's happening more times than it isn't now. Like, look at Elias Pettersson. Look at Quinn Hughes. Everyone's always worrying about these things. But these type of players that have such high-end potential, a lot of them are hitting it. You know, a lot of them aren't aren't really getting up to the level, like the top picks. But the guys that just seem to be the second tier, I think the second tier guys are, are actually better than a lot of people think. 
Hmm. Just because of how easy and how good the development that they've been given at a young age is, like I think that the a lot of these guys are ready. You know, their draft plus one year, whatever they do or wherever they go, whether it's college or back to the SHL, I think a lot of them could could really make a big difference. I think Tim Stutzel's a great example of this. After he was drafted, everybody's like, you know, he's going back. You know, he's going to go play another year, then come over to the NHL, maybe need a little AHL. You know, Tuglander's a great example of that. Who would have thought? Who would have thought he would have started on the top six and been a top six player all season long? I just, I think that these young players, and this is, I guess this is my prospects report, um, but like, I just think that a lot of these young players that prove it in their, you know, draft year or their draft plus one year, I think they should be given a little more props when they get to the NHL because I think that everything, not only has the NHL gotten better, but I think that everything around the NHL has gotten even, even more better, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think so. And, you know, these players, it's funny you bring up the thing about development and stuff and how they've improved with every decade. These players are getting world-class treatment when they're like 14, right? Like more exposure. There's a reason Cam Robinson was talking about Connor Bedard last year when Bedard was literally 14. By the way, I, it was funny that you said that because we're talking about how players come in younger and younger and they, they excel when they're younger now. What happens if you throw Connor Bedard into an NHL game right now? He's 15. You know what? Like, <laughs> does he compete? Like, does Connor Bedard he compete? Yeah. yeah, he competes. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't out physical a lot. He probably would actually. <laughs> like, he would compete. Absolutely, you compete. Yeah, right. And like, you look at these guys at the U18s every year, and yeah, there's a lot of mistakes being made because I think that's a lot of the thing that's missing is just the teaching of what coaches' expectations are of these guys. That's the biggest thing for me for a learning curve. But you you let a kid go out there and play like Tim Stutzla, he's going to play. He's going to produce. Like these kids are too skilled to not produce. But can can I give a little Connor Bedard thing? Obviously Absolutely. North Van. Absolutely. Vancouver product. The only NHL team he follows. The Vancouver Canucks. There you go. It's written in the stars. Hole and Eli Manning, Connor. Written in Don't the stars. Don't get drafted by anyone else. Say you want Vancouver and that's it. Let's turn this league into the NFL. Oh, where guys would, turn down draft picks. That'd be amazing. I ain't going anywhere but Vancouver. Make the trade happen. Who is the guy play that for the Grizzlies Scott? drafted that just said oh, he was not going to sign no. in Vancouver? Before our time. Yeah. Literally before your time. Li- yeah, quite literally. Yeah, I think it was like 99 or something. I was pretty young at the time, so it's a little bit much for me. That's You know, I missed that. And, oh, man, if we if like if I ever do get into radio, well, I already work for radio. But like, <laughs> if I ever get to like actually host a show... <laughs> Instead of producing shows, like uh, I, I need to touch up on my Vancouver sports. You do just history in general. Yeah, Vancouver I'll Canadians. Start with the Grizzlies. What were they called before the Canadians? Cannons. No, Vancouver Cannons were a PBL team. Right. They're the Mounties and the Capilano. No, not Capilano. Yeah, the Vancouver Capilanos were That's the right. other team. Yeah, right. I knew Capilanos that and then Mounties, I think, and then. Canadians favorite team to play in the BCPBL Vancouver Cannons. Yeah, I used to know the coach of the Cannons. They sucked. They, they sucked so they bad. They folded recently. Really? Yeah. Well, that's too they bad. They folded. They we, cut they me used once. to. We used to beat up on the Cannons. Yeah. And Victoria had two teams. When in their in our last couple of years, they got a, a second team, Victoria mm-hmm. Eagles. Oh, because Victoria had the Victoria Mariners. They were good. Victoria yeah. Mariners were good. We had a good rivalry with them from Nanaimo. Victoria got a second team, which basically was just a B team. And we, everybody smashed the Eagles. <laughs> the Eagles would come out. Well, you know who pitched for the Mariners? Uh, Nick Pavetta. Oh, yeah. So you know him. Yeah. Uh, Boston Red Sox. Yes. So, yeah. He's I, in their rotation. He's having a good year. I used to play on, on teams with him. 
Team wow. BC teams with Pavetta, and he was good. We so when we play, I'll tell Nick Pavetta's story. We used to play against Nick Pavetta in our thirteen-year-old year, which was smaller mounds, smaller fields. Oh. Um, it was before he made the jump to BC yeah. PBL. He was six four when we were twelve or thirteen years old, and oh this this gosh. was like the transition from like um, little league to PBL or JPBL. Yeah. It was just kind of like the in between age, and you're thirteen, I think. This dude's like whatever the mounds were a little bit closer. No chance to touch anything. This kid's throwing eighty plus from a smaller mound, and like it's it was between little league and the real size. It was right in the middle. Wow, you had no chance of touching this kid. He threw like seven no hitters in the year. And, like, everybody knew that he was going. And I think he did end up leaving for a travel team, like, before. Makes sense. I think he played a little bit of PBL, and then he just, he was gone. Like, everyone knew he was going to get drafted, and he was going to be something, because he was excellent. But then, when, you know, I made Team BC. You'd go up and meet him, because he'd be on Team BC again. So it was nice to uh, nice to see him having success. wonder if he remembers me in my pink glove from playing with him. There you go. You I, <laughs> get on the Red Sox Zoom call. Did I ever tell you yeah, about the pink media. glove? Like, you've seen it. No. I ordered a red glove because our team was like yellow and red for the Pirates, right? Okay. And I wanted the red to really pop. So I ordered this red glove. And I'm expecting it to be red like the water bottle I have here in front of me. A nice, dark, you know, strong red color. So it gets here in the mail and it's like bright pink. And I got this when I was like 15. It's like bright pink with with gray stitching, gray webbing. That's and I got nice. a pink glove. And you've seen it, I think. You've yeah. seen my glove. It's very pink, and it got even more pink as the years went on and more sun went on to it. Now, I just love it. It's a nice little pink glove. So, um, I don't know. We have, we'll have we wrap up with some hockey talk as well. Final couple things here. Just with, with Huglander, you know, we had expectations for him, and I think they were pretty high expectations for Niels Huglander, but it's crazy to think that, you know, to hear Travis talk about so much more being able for him, to Huglander to grow so much more defensively. Like, I like his defensive game a lot. So Travis is probably seeing some things with his system or the way that he's positioning himself defensively that needs to improve. And to think that Huglander can get even better, that's an exciting thought for Canucks fans moving forward here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's going to improve, right? Like, he's going to improve at both ends of the ice, and that's going to be a major boost to this Canucks team because next year, I think I think there's a very real possibility that we see a Hoaglander, Horvat, Podkolson, second line and Pearson's in the bottom six and I don't hate Pearson in the bottom six if you get a real third line center that can actually distribute and play some tougher minutes and you know be defensively sound that's that's not a bad third line it's probably the best third line the Canucks have had in a long time I just don't think they're gonna be able to go get a third line center I I think that's still gonna be a gaping hole for this team and that's probably like what do you think needs to be addressed more the third line center position or getting another defenseman I think it's a 3c because I think that you have I agree. You I have agree. guys that carry pairings now. Yes. Like you have Quinn Hughes, carries pairing. You have Jack Rathbone. If you want to believe that he can carry a pairing, then you just need a support guy. Like that's the thing I've been on for a long time over the past couple months is just defensemen. You just need one guy who's the puck mover and one guy who's the supporter. You know, and if you can have different situation, but you know, I, anyways, we'll get into that another day. But like with the prospects, I, I really think that I think Vasily Pod Colson is going to have a bigger impact on a game than we've seen from Niels Huglander this year. I don't know if he'll be the five on five point producer that he is, but I don't see why not. I think he's a he's a great playmaker, and uh, I don't know. I've I've beat this horse to death about Pod Colson, but I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. And 
Like people, I said it again, like people like Rathbone, people like Niels Huglander. I think that everyone's going to like Vasily Podkolzin even more because he's going to be everything that we see from Niels Huglander, but he's going to be more physical. Like he's going to bring a lot. I love the idea of Podkolzin potentially being with PD and Besser on a first line as early as next season. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I I think that's going to be great for the Canucks. I think it's going to be interesting to see what they want to do with JT Miller. But, man, does that ever give a chance? If you want Miller to be your 3C and you think that answers some questions and you can fill it in with some wingers, Pod Colson up there with Petey and Besser makes a lot of sense to me. But it also, you know, like you brought it up, the the Huglander, Horvat, Pod Colson Colson line. Yeah. That's that's a that's a tough line to get the puck off of. Oh, it is. That's a tough line to have the puck against. You know. You know what else I think Pod Colton's gonna bring to the team that's not being talked about a lot? Penalty killing. Well, not only that, but the other special team. I think he's gonna be good on the power play because he's gonna be he's gonna be a guy who's really good at retrieving the puck. I don't know if you remember this, but with the twenty eleven team, Ryan Kessler's role on that power play was to if they missed the net or there was any sort of potential turnover of possession, it was Kessler's job to go in, get the puck, and snap it back to one of the twins. And Kessler's talked about this. They used to practice that. Like, in practice, they would go, dump. someone would dump the puck in the corner, or a shot would go wide, and Kessler would have to go into a board battle with one of his teammates and just practice blindly snapping it to a twin and knowing where they are and that sort of thing. And I've been saying it for years that's my comparison. A lot of people say Mark Stone is what Pod Colson can be. I've yeah. been saying it for years now. It's Ryan Kessler as a winger. Yeah, but that's Mark Stone then. Mark Stone's a winger, isn't he? Yeah. yeah but what so. I'm saying, my, just let me have this one. <laughs> I've been say, you just brought up Ryan Kessler because what Ryan Kessler does in the power yeah, play, yeah. that's where the first things that I saw the comparison with Pod Colson and, and Kessler were. I said, like, wow, that's, you know, the way that Kessler was able to not only be a net front presence, but still continue the cycle and still be a passing option. Like that's what that's what Pod Colson does on the power play. But isn't Mark Stone Ryan Kessler but a winger? Listen, man. Mark, <laughs> Mark Stone didn't play in Vancouver, okay? Fair. Not everyone's but, watching Mark Stone every night. Fair and enough. Gets comparison. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like I like your little comparison there. That, that was a good one. Yes. I I I think he's yeah, I think he's going to help on both both special teams units. And yeah, the other thing about special teams that I just wanted to quickly touch on is having four guys who are all pretty good offensively. That helps the power play because, you know, putting putting Rathbone on that first unit, I think Green really likes that. Yeah. I, I think he really liked that. And yeah. I think next year you probably see Tyler Myers off the second unit or Nate Schmidt because once Patterson comes back, obviously. Yeah, yeah. he's back there. Exactly. Right. So. Quinn, Quinn ain't coming off. But Quinn's not, now to know that Jack can fill in if Quinn if there's an injury. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You like that a lot too. You do. There was something I wanted to close out with. I can't remember what it was. And I feel like an idiot. Because we're just going to have to end the show at this point. Glad you brought it up. Yeah. Well, good there was it something up. it was good that we were going to finish with. Betting segment from our friends at Odd Shark. I'll yeah. carry this while you think betting. about it. Yeah, you think. You think. We're really there. hard here with my brain. Yeah. Our friends at oddshark.com. Go check them out. Uh, you can find a lot of different betting trends. And the MLB season's up. Nick Pavetta. That's the player I'm going to highlight right now. 35 innings pitched, Chris. 36 strikeouts over 35 innings pitched. Take the over. On Nick Pavetta, he's five and zero with a three nineteen ERA. Those are some pretty solid numbers. Twenty eight years old from Victoria, BC. Go take the over on Nick Pavetta, Boston Red Sox starter. Go, uh, go take the over on strikeouts there. That's uh, I remember. That's a good bet. Okay, glad I carried that segment. Well, Ooh, check out oddshark.com. Yes, thank you. I listened to all that. Um, 
we're gonna have a little odd shark with Ian up here soon too. Good. By the way, that's probably the segment name for like the betting segment. When we'll do the betting segment, it's you and me. But when Ian comes by, odd shark with Ian sounds good. Odd shark with ring Ian. to it. I like it. Two things. First thing, the intro. Let's yes. close out with this. The yes, in- we got a three star review. Quads. We did get a three star review. Like not it's really not alarming. The, the only three star reviews we've got is that you're average. Yeah, I say absolutely too much, and yeah. now the intro is too long, which it is. Now that we're back in the studio, it's a little long. We listen to it and we're like, "Wow, we have to press play because we don't want to edit it in." It takes so the intro is going to be changed. We're gonna make it thirty seconds. Someone suggested mm, we're gonna make it under a minute. Okay, okay. Because someone suggested they're like, if I'm driving, it's not easy to skip which that, is fair. and I totally get that. I get that I've, I sympathize with that. Listen, person. I listen to a lot of podcasts while I drive too. I'm with you there. You know, so Harrison Price, I'm listening to that. I got a four-minute yeah. ad thing in the middle. Yeah. And I don't text and drive, so I'm there listening to Brooke Ward with the business report. And <laughs> so, and, uh, no, I mean, like, we're, we're going to work on the intro. We're going to change it. But um, our friends at Wise Young Blood, the band that plays our intro right now, yep. new music coming. We talked about it, I think, a couple weeks ago on the show. We're going to wait for one of their new songs to drop. We're going to listen to the album. We're going to we're gonna pick a song. You know, we're not, we're not going to pick a mainstream song. Well, we want to go with one of our local guys local here. Local guys, yeah. Support the boys. Me and Kyle, their lead singer, used to be defensive tackles together back in the day at NDSS football. We want to support them. Good dudes. Been to a few of their concerts back in the day. So we're going to change the intro. Anything you want to add to that? Because I have one more thing to talk about. No, it's going to be fun. It's going to be shorter. It's going to be good. Good. So this might be the last time you hear Quads talk for a full week. Because the other thing yes. that we're talking about. Wisdom teeth surgery. Yes. Which is funny. Our teach- So you sent in this to our BCIT teacher. That you weren't going to be able to be there, or you weren't going to be able to talk on Monday and Tuesday because you know you're worried about what you know what it's going to be like with after wisdom teeth. You're getting all of them taken out. Mm, the bottom two, bottom two. So but, still, yeah, so not growing in sideways. One of them's growing in sideways. Okay, so yeah, which I heard is like a week recovery before you can like talk. So, so we'll see what that. But the funny thing is, like the way that the teacher at BCIT that you talked to said that we weren't that you weren't going to be there made it sound like really bad. It's like David's got a surgery that he needs to go to on Friday. It's like. Well, he's not like getting like a you know, like open a, heart surgery, a, canc- a cancer lump taken out already. Yeah. Like, all right, like open heart surgery, like you said. Like, he's getting you know wisdom teeth. You're not going to die. Yeah, crazy if you did. I'm but, uh, you no. don't know. You don't know that, Chris. <laughs> but what we're going to be doing for the show? Um, very exciting. I tweeted about it the other day. We got a lot of draft people coming on the show. A lot of draft scouts. We got uh, Alexa, Dylan, JD, Cam, and Craig Button as well. So we got a big crew of folks still working on getting maybe even a couple more names as well in the show, but it's going to be an old school edition quads. Like back in the day, old Canucks convo. And I used to you know, want to learn more on a subject. I would bring some of the experts in and that's what we're going to do for this NHL draft. One of the things that I'm going to try and do, and I hope I remember this for each of the interviews, but because it's such a weird draft and because nobody really has the same top three, I'm going to ask each of our guests to give their one, two, and three pick for the draft. That's a good idea. And I think it's going to be kind of cool to see how different it is because Owen Power seems to be everybody's number one, but I'm interested to see because I know that Alexa, she's very high on Fabian Lucell, guest of the show, friend of the show. Um, and I know that D- Dylan does a great job covering KHL guys and Russian prospects. So we're going to have a good talk about Vasily Podkoles. It's not all going to be NHL draft. Alexa is going to be great to talk about Niels Huglander as well. And then obviously with the local ties with Cam and JD with Vancouver Canucks. So we'll get into a lot with them. And then Craig Button from TSN, director of scouting at TSN over there. Craig Button's going to join us. He was at the U18s doing the play-by-play call for them. And he's going to join us on this weekend show as well. So... And I don't think anyone's going to miss you, Quads, because we have got a, a good lump of fill-ins for you. So Yeah. 
It's okay. I won't be missed. I guess. You'll be all the, drugged up listening to yeah. the show, thinking it's you talking. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to listen to the show and not be uh, not be on it. That'll be that'll be a nice little a break week for off me. for you. And I think I'm getting a week off at the end of the month. So yes, you're gonna have Harman. to try and top what I'm doing. I'm bringing Harmon on. People love Harmon. Harmon and I Harman, are good yeah. together. It's gonna be it's the Harm episodes. They they put up numbers. They do. They I do. might I might even get Harmon in the studio depending on numbers. And I don't. This is a fun fun way to end the episode. Bonnie Henry just announced all all. Ah, oh, geez, what's the word I'm looking for? All adults in British Columbia will be able to book a COVID vaccine appointment by the end of next week. Wow. That includes me, Chris, and Harm. Young quads, young Harm. Yes. You guys are going to be up in the studio all vaxxed up. Vaxxed up. Still 25 feet apart. Of course. With I wonder the if people notice table. that, that like I'm yelling across the room to you. But you have the headset on so you can hear, okay. Yes, I'm getting a phone call. You keep talking. Sounds good. Well, we're actually going to wrap things up. Not much more talking to do here, so... We'll wrap things up and appreciate everyone tuning into this week's episode of the Canucks Conversation. Like I said, we'll see you this weekend with a bunch of great guests on the show. So for David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber. Thank you very much for tuning into another episode of the Canucks Conversation. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 